Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a conversation with TNS hosts Steve Heilig and Andreas Weber as they discuss the biology of wonder, aliveness, feeling, and the metamorphosis of silence. Our speaker today is here all the way from Germany. It's not his first time here. He was actually a... Uh worked or, or stayed at the Mesa Refuge, the writing retreat here that is run by Susan Page Tiller, who's right back here as well. So he's familiar with uh, this area, but this is also his first time at Commonweal as well. So we're very pleased to welcome Andreas Weber here today. Now, his new book, which is actually how old he wrote it in originally, Seven, in in it came out in two thousand seven right. German in German yeah so this I, is a newly translated I, I rewrote it um, a year ago right so, so it's and I I, I um, everything I didn't like I uh, yeah. I tried to change you fixed it but I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I fixed <laughs> yeah. it I, I tried to fix it. So the book is titled Biology of Wonder: Aliveness, Feeling, and the Metamorphosis of Science. Um, much of the work that we do at Commonweal is done with the knowledge that we live really in an era that is building of kind of uh, slow motion, sometimes fast motion, but crisis really, ecological and otherwise. And in the sciences, where we, some of our work is as well, there is a schism. The tradition of science is to do strictly scientific work and not deal with the broader issues, to do your work, put it out there, and keep going. Um, there have been people challenging this for many years, that people need to change their mindset about activism, about advocacy, about being aware of the broader issues, whatever they might be, um, as well. The big one that's overriding right now that people are aware of being climate change. Um, and Andreas is one of these who has taken his biological training and other to look at how should things be changed so that we minimize the harm and actually have the, the best possible future, the least damaging at least, depending on how you look at it. So what we want to do uh, today is allow him to, the first part, to talk about the ideas in his book and anything he wants to, um, which, I mean, the fascinating thing about the book, which I did read, um, is it mixes in his personal story as well. And I found much in it that really resonated with me similar experiences in terms of both educational background and also just experiences. And then we'll have some dialogue for a while and then we'll open it up to question and answers with the whole group. So please welcome Dr. Andreas Weber and please go ahead. Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Steve. And um, thank you all for being here. This is an amazing feeling, actually, because um, um, here it feels far from home and far from um, the, a German audience. And it's, it's totally crazy for me that I come here, see my name on the door, and see a public come, coming to listen to me. Uh, how how can, could this come? So this is, it's, it's really a good feeling. Um, I have to thank Susan from, from Mesa Refuge who, who, who pushed the ball to, to roll into this direction. And I'm, 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 it makes me really emotional because I had this beautiful time at Mesa in March, and, um, uh, which was really inspiring and productive. I mean, the times can be inspiring and not very productive, but very beautiful, but it was both. 
And I finished another book, which will also be um, um, published uh, in, probably in winter, in, also in English language. And it's, um, so I had this feeling of being somehow at the right place, which also made me, made me, um, inspired me and somehow made things liquid, which were solid before and, and led them to somehow to rearrange. And it's, it's, it's just a really good feeling to be back and to be, to be able to talk about this. It's, it's kind of, um, um, it kind of feels like a kind of magic. Um, so thanks, thanks for coming here and, and giving me this, this feeling. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I, I, will, um, I will talk a little bit about um, who I am or what I have been doing and what, is, what my motivation is. And then I, I will tell you one, um, one personal story, um, which is not in this book, which is in, in yet another book, will, which is translated at the moment and which will come out uh, with Chelsea Green. So, so I also have this... Um, all these books are coming out in English, which is also um, amazing. Um, for for for, I mean, if you're if you're a speaker of one of these, German, of these European languages, you're always limited to your country. If you're writing in German, you're limited to Germans um, needing you to, needing to understand you. And as I'm as I'm, you will you will probably see this as I'm influenced by the tradition of. Um, American nature writing or American Anglo-Saxon holism—it's—it's—it's—it's um, always—it was always weird to be only read by Germans, and it's crazy to to kind of being able to communicate with what I received. So this is also this feeling of being able to give back something, of which which came to me in the last 20 years. Um, but I mean, it's probably this is a typically European feeling. If you're in one language, then you have only your country, which is quite small it ends after some hours driving and uh, so so now this is this is actually this stands for the the, the the whole global system in a way which is which is really very good um, I am I'm a biologist by by um, by schooling a marine biologist actually and I'm also a philosopher so I did also philosophy training and um, and I um, in a way, I'm um, I'm a product of this slow motion crisis you, you were talking about because I when I when I was doing my studies in the in the 90s, um, I studied biology because I had this I had the need to be close to other living beings and I also wanted to actually I wanted to understand why. Um, other beings mattered so much to me. This, that, that was what, what was really interesting me. Um, I mean, it started when I was maybe 12, and I started with writing um, more or less bad poetry. That was the first step. And, um, and then I, I somehow, it's, it's, it would be a longer story, I somehow got into biology to, just to, because I, I had the feeling I, need, I needed to be close to this to understand this. And it turned out that I had to learn, I had to totally unlearn my experience and I had to learn that um, everything alive is a machine. So it was a, it was a, I entered, I entered into, um, into this official um, education to become a biologist, but I also entered into a major depression because everything which made sense to, to myself and to my feeling and which made me feel alive or enlivened and connected 
um, wasn't valid. This was just what, what I couldn't use. Um, yeah, so you can imagine that I was like immediately questioning myself, hmm, shouldn't I change the subject matter or something like this? But for some reason, I, I, I carried on and um, tried to find in this, vast, um, <coughs> in this vast field of biology and philosophy of biology some, some doors to, to, to walk through. Um, and um, so actually some other thinkers and philosophers and authors, but it was, this was really a desperate search in, 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 in the 90s. Um, and the 90s were also, they were le much less open um, to, to this question. So actually if you, if you only insinuated that, you, that, you, that one could be in a way connect and could connect to other living beings, this was just so completely stupid and, uh, and, and outrageous and mental that you, you couldn't do this if you, if you were to become a biologist. So this was, it was actually, this is, this is, it's better now. And it has to do with changes in biology which, about which I will talk also. But it was really, um, it was like um, being a dissident in, in, in Soviet Union. It was like you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be jailed, but it was like everybody was saying, okay, no, no, he isn't, he isn't a scientist, so he isn't serious, so he, he just has, has nothing to say. And, and this, is, it's, it's, this is changing. And the fact that, that books like this can, um, they're published and they're even translated and published in, 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 in America, it's, 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 a, it's a sign that, that the, the general feeling that something is amiss in our picture of the world is, is broadening. And, and we are searching for remedies in, in, in a much more intense way than we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So this, the, the, the heyday of the last mechanistic age is over. But I mean, it, it, it might come back. Like maybe, maybe this is cyclical. Like in, in the end of the 60s, there was this wave of um, being holistic and then it, then it fell back. Um, and, um, and maybe it's even, that when I say this, just as a side thought, maybe this is even related to, um, to the way we are viewing our economic system. Like the, the 60s where there's still the time with these, the civil rights movements and, 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 and then it came back to this, the 80s and Reagan and Thatcher and, and you, all, you, know, you all know this. And, um, and at the moment, everybody is looking to, not everybody, but many, many um, are, are taking serious that there are solutions which are leading out of this impasse of, um, of, of a dead world, actually. And... Um, so that's, that's, that's a key word, actually, dead world, because um, in, in, my, in my searching, um, it came clear, it became clear to, to my eyes, at least, that, um, that our, our fundamental problem is that every scientific valid position needs to reduce experience into blocks which can be analyzed or restructured or which can be proven empirically, which, which are only matter or which are only structure um, or which are only discourse and um, which um, are basically free of experience. And, um, and this is not only done by the bad guys from my position, like hard empiricists or... Um, or um, 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 fanatic uh, neoliberals. Um, this is also done by by the whole of sustainability thinking. So it's still it's still um, be um, be analytic um, and be reductionist. And this is so ingrained in our in ourselves that 
that it, it comes automatically, actually. It's a kind, I think it's even, it's a kind of basic metaphor for the world that this world is without soul and it runs according to laws of efficiency. It's, it's like really deeply ingrained, so we even don't question it. And, 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 and I, I think um, lots, lo many reasons for the failure of alternative ideas lie in the fact, that they're grounded in the fact that, um, that they, don't, they don't get over to a radical shift of thinking. Um, they don't um, shed this idea that that to, to, to seriously talk about the world, you must understand it as dead, as death, as a dead system, as a metaphysics of, dead, of death. And so this is, this is actually what I try to do out of, um, out of a, a renewed biological thinking and out of um, an attempt to, 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 to write another philosophy of, of living beings, is to step out of this idea that in the end it's only a um, mechanism. And we are a machine. We have this strange illusion of having feelings and an, and an individual self, but to be serious, in the end we are only chemistry or physics, or we are only struggle to... Um, to um, um, raise the frequency of our genes in our offspring, etc. And um, so, so what I'm what I'm doing is, and this is this, it's mirrored in the title. I'm trying, and I mean, when I say I, then it's it's it shouldn't sound so big because I'm building on a tradition actually. So it's I'm, I'm trying to to draw together um, um, str st um, strings and. Um, 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 thinking streams from certain traditions which, which, which can understand that to be alive is not a mechanical phenomenon, but it is a phenomenon of experience and it is a phenomenon of feeling and it is a phenomenon not of um, absolute struggle of an individual atom, but it is a phenomenon of exchange or connection, or transformation, or interpenetration. Um, and, um, and I'm doing this on two levels, actually. And I, I will try to be more specific. And I still owe you my personal story, actually. I mean, you see, this is also a personal story in a way. But I want to tell you a, a, a more story-like personal story. I will do this. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this on the level of, of reasoning, so I'm, I'm trying to be a biologist um, and not to step out of this because then we're entering into, into the nice um, suggestive realms of esoteric thinking, which I don't like at all. Um, um, and I'm trying to, well, actually what I'm trying to do is to, 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 to reason in a way that I can also experience it emotionally. So I'm, I'm trying to, to bring these things together. So I don't want arguments without emotions and I don't want emotions without arguments. So I really try to try to, to bring these things together, um, which I think is possible, but not without contradictions. And these contradictions are the, the mystery of life even. Um, like we are also bringing two things together. We are, we are, we are matter in space and time. And we are also something which isn't in space and time, which is our, our process of being an individual identity, which is something which is, which is not only this, but um, somehow brought about this. And I, 
in my in my work, I try to kind of do this together. So this is why I'm 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 arguing, and I'm also trying to write in a way that um, shows or that is contagious with um, with this. Well, maybe you can you can call it with this love of other beings, which I really want to be close to, and. Um, so I'll come to my personal story, which is a little love story, actually. And um, um, yeah, so maybe maybe even if I just just hearing myself um, coming to this point, maybe the the deepest motivation of what I'm doing is to to re restore um, a practice of loving into um, into a description of the world. So to to reattach, um, um, to reattach meaningful connection into this into this whole material world, which I think isn't isn't to be separated. But we we do this like officially. There's no there's no place for this. Let's let's be let's be reasonable. Let's be let's be scientific. Um, but probably what we do as humans is always infused. Um, by meaning and by the need to connect, so by a yearning to to give love or by a yearning to love and to to have a, a sense in a in a in a in a bigger surrounding, which which isn't without conflict, but which is a deeply emotional process. And um, maybe it's my it's I'm, 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 my life is 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 built up of experiences where I always I always run into encounters where I sense this. So it's, it's in a way, it's just being out in, in between other beings. I mean, between humans or between non-human beings. I, I always have this feeling that um, through the outsides of bodies, I can somehow read um, meaningful experiences. And, um, and Probably a feeling like this is what brings many people into nature because this is this is an objectively, empirically proven um, motivation. People want the contact to other beings, but only they don't know why, because there is no scientific explanations um, apart from, let's say, weak um, um, evolutionary psychological um, um, accounts of how that makes you fitter or how this raises your health, etc. But it's it's not about this. There is this strange need to to be seen by something which is like you and something which is totally different but somehow also of this world and one of my my deepest experiences of this was of this whole interconnection between um, being a body having a body um, and um, and being an inside or being um, um, a feeling process or being the experience of meaning was when I was living in Italy. Um, I, had a, I had a flat in Italy for five years. So I can say like Karen Blixen in, in her book Out of Africa said, I had a farm in Africa. I can say I had a flat in Italy <laughs> and um, at the foot of the Apennine Hills. Um, so you see, it's a, this is a tragic story. Um, <laughs> But I have a brand new girlfriend um, who is Italian, so I can maybe I can rewrite history. So uh, she has a flat in Italy too because she's Italian. So but this, this, that's another story. 
So this this story is um, is um, happened in in 2010 when I when I was living in this flat in Italy because my my son my German son had this idea of um, going to an Italian school basically because he knew that not speaking any word of Italian he would be he could sit there and 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 just not communicate with anybody. <laughs> But I I, I I took it as um, as a, this Goethean German cultural urge and said, wow, my 10-year-old son wants to have live in Italy, so no, sure, we make this, we'll make this happen anyhow. And um, in the end, he, he learned Italian quite quickly so that he needed to, actually, he could participate in, 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 the, in, 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 in the classes and he was very upset. But at least he, he speaks Italian now. And, and he's actually, he's finished school this year and he's working uh, at, the, at the Friends um, Hotel in southern Italy. So this is this is, but this that's still another story. But so so I, I um, we became friends with the with the people in this small village in these Apennine hills close to the Mediterranean. And I sat um, at the proverbial coffee coffee um, coffee shop table um, in the in the piazza when if, when this um, friend of mine who was the um, the, the school care I think caretaker it's called caretaker the, the school caretaker. Um, she came to me and said, "There's some, said, there's some noise in my chimney, and I have no idea what it is. And maybe she ran just into me, or maybe it was a good occasion for her to ask me this. So couldn't you come and see what is doing this this, this scratching noise in my chimney? So I came to her flat, and she was she's she's very poor. She still is very poor, and she she didn't have really good furniture. So I needed to climb on this creaky chair." And open this hole in the in the chimney, and ash fall, ashes fall, fell down, and then I reached down and reached down and didn't find anything, but I heard this scratching noise, and she was like looking at me, and I said, "No, there's nothing," and I closed it, but there was still this noise, like like some weird being or, or phantom, and then I did it again, and I I touched something soft. Mm, yes, it was like, but it was it was soft and dry. So soft and dry is always, it could also be nice. So I, I was thinking, okay, I, it will be nice. And I kind of grabbed it. And, it, and then I, I, I had a, it was a young swift. It was a swift baby. So it was already able to fly, but somehow it flown into this chimney. And I had it in my hand and um, this heart pounding so fast because it's so small, like really like, like incredibly fast. And it was warm and um, kind of dazzled. And um, and then I, I went to the open window and um, and let it fly, and it could fly, and it flew down this narrow um, Italian village street in the evening light and um, with these long curves, and um, in this moment I realized that joy is an objective phenomenon. This movement was joy, and um, and. What happened then, maybe this is what my friend intended also with, her, with his swift in her chimney. What happened then was that we were hugging one another because we were so joyful. So it was immediately contagious. And, um, and then there was another scratching. Yeah, so I said, wow, maybe there will be another hugging. And I, and I, I saved, so I saved a second swift and I let it fly. And I mean... What I, what I just want to tell you is that this, I, I have no idea how a swift, how this swift felt. 
I, I can't tell you. And probably many of, of you know this famous article of a, of a U.S. philosopher, Thomas Nagel. Um, how is it like to? How is it? like to be a bat, I think that's the title, um, who, who, who in, which came out in the 70s and which proved that we don't have any idea um, if an, another animal has any experience because we can't know. But there was this joy in the air. There was this movement which was joy. So I think it's, it's not even important to, to reason. Um, about what is going on in a swift's head, but this is probably very different from what is going on in my head um, or heart. Um, but it's not that different from what is going on in my whole body. And, um, and what is going on into, in, an, in a living being when it is um, stretching out and being alive is this expansive feeling of joyfulness of the present moment which is there which I can see and which is maybe which is maybe not even in this being but it's in the world or the world becomes like this and this is this is so this is completely um, um, transmittable and going into into myself and um, and I think this is just the point we are missing with our idea that everything is um, only um, causal mechanic or algorithm. We, we're missing just this, this fact that bodies um, strive for growth and for, for, um, for life and for connection and for expansion and that this striving is, has an aspect, a meaningful aspect to it, um, which is joy or which is beauty or which is yearning or which is desire. And, um, and that's the whole point about being alive. It's being in this desire of, you, you can see me doing this, this, this expansive move, movement because it's also always about reaching out. And, um, and it, in this moment it reached out to me and then we, the, the humans present, reached out to one another. And, and we, had a, we had a very particular moment and I, 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 I for a long time, I didn't. I meet. I met this friend recently, but we didn't talk about it. So I have no idea. But I'm sure she has a she has a memory of this moment, like some of these, like a moment, one one of these few moments in your life which which really demarcate a, a kind of phase which which concentrates in this paradigmatic moment. And um, so we need actually we we if we try a scientific description of this living world, we somehow need to take this into account. So what I'm actually doing in this book, um, although this story is from another book, but it's it's still it's still the same obsession actually. Uh, the, the, the next book is more about um, about connection and relation and love actually. Um, the working title is Erotic Ecology. So I, I hope it will come through. I have no idea. Um, um, but but the, the, what I'm doing is to, to integrate this, these experiences into a picture of biology. So biology should, the science of biology should be also about the experience of being alive. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is that we are all alive. 
and we all have a feeling of how it is to be alive. I mean, we are, we are totally privileged. So if you want to talk about um, being alive, ask someone who is alive. And what science does, it, it, it says, no, no, no. This is just your personal experience. Put it, put it away. Start from scratch and look at the facts. Yeah. Do as if you were not alive. And then tell me something about life. And um, what comes out is um, there is no life. There's only there's only dead building blocks. I mean, it's no wonder because if if you if you if you if you don't admit that you're alive and that every other being is alive and maybe the whole the whole evolving Earth is is a, is is an unfolding um, aliveness, then you, you you won't have this. And it if you don't um, have life in your description of the world, then you will destroy it. If you're driving a tank and you um, don't see the walls that are around or the trees, then you will crash, crash over them and you will destroy them. Um, unless there's a wall so big that you will destroy yourself. And this is just what is happening at this, in, this, in, this, in our time, I think. And um, so, 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 so what, I'm, what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to do in this book um, by... Um, talking about the experience, but also about talking about a biology which takes into account that living beings aren't machines, but are subjects, like, like we, we consider ourselves to be subjects, is, um, is building up this kind of, sometimes I call it po poetic biology, or I call it, um, I call it um, creative ecology. So this, this new idea that, 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 talking about the living world is always first person and first person is always feeling and um, and not only human feeling but feeling of other beings which can be which 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 can be totally different i mean what what, what how are trees feeling you don't know now, science now knows now starts to know that also plants have perception and they They send out gases as warning signs. So now um, even plants um, are, um, um, are sensitive beings. Before they were the, the super autom automatons in, in, in biology. But I mean, um, what is this feeling? We don't know, but we can see it. You're listening to a TNS conversation with Andreas Weber and Steve Heilig. So if you... Maybe it's a bit different here in this in this in this northern Californian area. But if you if you um, if you're walking um, through um, a northern hemisphere forest, you can see how trees perceive change. For example, trees perceive fall and winter by changing color. So so you you for sure there is there is a re reaction and there is a change um, and there is an expression. And, um, and this is used by others as, as meaningful signs. So we see these deciduous trees with their, with their leaves, um, which are shed, and we have this, we understand that life means temporary death and renewal and silence and um, waiting and patience and then hope. Um, but this is, this, is, this is our translation of this. But the tree, the tree does it. The tree is the color and the tree is the, the falling leaves. So um, I don't want to sell to anybody the idea that every living being is a, a tiny little homo sapiens. That would be totally wrong. 
But I want to, I want to push forward the idea that um, to be part of this world means to, be, to have inwardness or to be inside. And not only to be surface and not only to be structure, but to be, um, to be part of a, of a huge, how could you call it, poetic space maybe. And, um, and then I stop. Last, last um, what about time? Is it, I just have the feeling it's like kind of my... You mean time in general? Time, time, right my, my talking time? Is it, <laughs> no, I'm, I, I just... What, no, go a few more minutes. Yeah, can, can, I, I, can yes, I, okay, yes. okay. Um, um, I mean, the, 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 and the, I'm, do, I'm doing this in this book, so it's, it's, there's also some, some science inside, so, so just, um, just to warn you, um, which, I, which I, I'm, I'm doing this in silence. So I'm, when I talk, I try to reduce this, um, but I'm, when, I'm, when nobody is there and I'm free and I'm writing it down, so it's there. Um, so the, 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 the kind of... Um, um, the... the, the um, the crucible of the whole thing is: can you, can you also, can you have a biology which includes this? I mean, I could, I could talk about this all the time, but then um, coming to giving a, a, a description of an organism, I could say, well, it's just, um, it's just a beautiful experiential process, and then it would kind of, kind of be not able to. To, to enter into a discussion with the, um, with the empirical science of our time. So the, the crucible, the proof um, of what I'm doing is that it must somehow yield a biological um, theory. So what is the biological theory behind this? And I just give you one... Um, I, op I try to open one door for you, which is... Which is the, actually, it's, it's a small door, but it's still the main entrance. And... In, in, in showing you how the perspective of um, what we think about what we selves, what we are ourselves and what other beings are can shift by a, a slight change in accent. And this is, um, it's about, um, actually it's about fooding, feeding and eating, feeding and breathing. And um, this, the normal idea, well, let's say the, the mainstream idea which is taught in schools is this, this idea that a living being is a kind of machine, or it's a it's an it's an industry, or it's a factory, and um, I'm, 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 I know that this is taught like this in German schools because my son two years ago came with this sheet, and there was this factory drawn, and this was the cell. I don't know if it's like this in in the states. I, I guess it might be still be because this is the the whole Western model. But my son came with this factory, and you you can imagine. The, the, um, so this was the cell, and they, it was nicely drawn. I mean, it was kind of old. It, you could see that this was an early 80s picture, which the teacher had recopied all the time. <laughs> Maybe she, she will until um, she will go into pension. And um, he, he, he came to me and said, this can't be right. And I was like, thanks, because I would have... I would have said this to you and you would have hated me for in, <laughs> intruding in my, in my eco-philosophical way in your natural, natural science studies. But he was like, no, this can't be right. It is, a living cell is not a factory. What do you think, Daddy? And I was like, yeah. Shall I give you some scientific papers, <laughs> co-authored papers you show to your teacher? No, 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 no. Please don't. But I mean, um, the, just, just, just imagine, like, because, because 
these these two paradigms of um, how does um, how need, how an industrial society is to be run and how organism is to be understood are very very close actually, and that both are wrong in the mainstream view, and um, so there was the there were the, the mitochondria of the cells which which um, which are the places where energy is created by by respiration where the where a small um, power plant a coal power plant obviously or oil eighties. And, and 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 then there was so so you can imagine all these parts of the cell were mapped onto some some kind of industrial um, structures, and the best was there was also um, the nucleus. And can you imagine what the nucleus was? It was a tiny um, tiny skyscraper with the headquarters, <laughs> the headquarters g guiding and governing what is what is what is what is done. And then there was there was. Um, Raw material delivered, and there was um, um, there were um, um, convenience goods were going out, and there was waste created, like fumes. So it was really a beautiful '80s picture before <laughs> before Brundtland's sustainability paradigm. And um, I mean, it's it's we can we can roll on the floor laughing, but these 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 kids walk out. And they, even if they don't care, because normally they don't care, like, oh God, this is so boring, can I check my WhatsApp messages? But still they get some kind of infusion of, of something which is, which is, by my um, opinion and by an, another um, um, different view of what um, life processes are, is completely wrong, completely misguided. And the, 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 the central point of what is wrong is if you have a factory model of a cell or a machine model of an organism, it is separated from its environment in a way that the matter is always there. If you have a factory, the machines, they never change. Something comes from the outside, is processed, some waste is created, and something goes out. But an organism, and you can, you could, this is something you could prove, you could trace, um, radio, radioactively trace food. An organism becomes what it takes up. So you, your bodies, you, you take up food and this food becomes your body. It, would, it, it is built into your body. It is not burned and then um, exhausted through an exhaust pipe or whatever. Um, it becomes you. And, um, and when you breathe out the CO2, which you breathe out, which we all breathe out, that's not the food burned. It is also you. So it's your body. So everybody has breathed out herself or himself in the last half hour in this room. And um, the others have breathed you in. So can you see on what level we're already exchanging, um, transforming one another? And, and this is by far not trivial. So, so a living being is not a separate entity. A living being is a, on, a, on a material level. It's a total continuity with the rest of the world and it's just a detail and it's I could I could show you if I had a PowerPoint I could show you I could I could color the, the co2 molecules in the chemical description of the whole thing so it's it's it has been traced when the when the people um, who um, uncovered the the it's the Krebs cycle in the in the metabolism when they uncovered it it was clear they had to know um, they needed to know where was what coming from etc so it's you can really show it like in a, in a very nice way and this is normal science actually 
just the consequence from normal science is um, that um, obviously we are transforming our um, food into ourselves and then we are, we, are, we are vanishing into the world, but still we, and when I say we, every other being, every cell, we still retain an identity, which is not material. And that's very interesting. So what is this identity? If it's not just the matter like a sculpture or a car or a motor, the motor if you put a motor somewhere, it's always the same on a material base. It will rust and, and so like superficially it will change. And over the, the, the million years, it will somehow change back into, into everything. But this is a very slow process. Um, and an organism is completely, um, completely um, transforming itself into, um, into its environment. And... Um, so obviously, um, there is. Um, so I, I, I don't have a name for it, but we can observe that a, a living being um, strives to maintain an identity while the matter is going through it, and um, that, that's actually the definition of my my biological and philosophical teacher, Francisco Varela. Maybe some some of you know him. Who who who. who researched and taught in Paris until he died. Um, that's his definition of life. Life is a process of creation of an identity. And, um, and this identity is what we feel. We have this feeling of being identical with ourselves and we have this yearning um, to maintain this identity. So this is also, this is not only an abstract idea, this is something we can experience. And we know how it, badly it feels if we experience identity disturbances. And we know how badly people with disturbed identities can behave socially. And I mean, we can see how our, our society with a disturbed identity behaves all the time. Maybe you can enlarge it to this. Um, but if, if living beings, if living beings are desires to maintain an identity, then this is totally different from the idea that a living being is, is, is a causal mechanic chain reaction. Because there's interest. If you have to lose an identity, then you're interested in being, be, being whole or becoming whole or enlarging this identity. So if you step back from this idea of matter always remains the same in a machine-like fashion and you come to this, uh, this, this what you can feel in yourself, that you desire to remain an identity, then all this, this whole spectrum of meaning and feeling and value enters. So, so organisms, in my, in my view, are basically a process of desire. And they are basically all the time about experiencing meaning and creating meaning and expressing meaning. And at least in my experience, this is what happens when you go into nature. It's just you, 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 you feel this meaning and expression of, expression of aliveness by others, which mirrors your own experiences, which is so great, because then you can, it helps you feel. You see this and you see, you see feeling becoming, having become form in, a, in, a, in, a, in an alive, enlivening way in front of your eyes. And you can, you can feel this yourself, because this, it's there. It's like, it's like coming upon an, a work of art which opens a door for you, like, oh God, I know this, but I never thought this, or maybe I, it was somehow there, but I never felt this. And, um, and I think this is, this is, this is, this is the, 
this is the reason why why it is it is so good to connect to other beings because we can on one hand we can be in touch with them but on the other hand we we are in touch with ourselves we can retrieve our own feelings in this age of denial of feeling and um Yeah, so you you see with just this tiny little shift in in attention uh, to where a CO2 goes in the Krebs cycle, to my eyes, changes the whole picture. But you start, I mean, this is, there is more of this here, but this it's still it's still a, a very central, a very central point. I think they even in the in the English version, they even yes, the Krebs cycle is in it's there. there. Yeah. <laughs> It's there, the Krebs is there. I hadn't looked at that at a time. <laughs> you, you found it, you found yeah. it, and you were like, no, yeah, no. Yeah, maybe it's, this is, it's like on page 45 and yeah. everybody, everything stops. Yeah. No. Um, um, no, but I mean, I mean the, so, so it's, it's, you don't have to be, um, you don't, it's not irrational. It's not irrational if you reclaim that what we are experiencing has a value. And it's not irrational if you claim that other living beings are experiencing not the same, but in the same vein. They're experiencing their aliveness and their mortality in, in, a, in a somehow analogous vein. And, um, but you don't have to be um, esoterically irrational. You don't have to say this world is only about love and there is no death, etc., which is both, it's, it's, it's not true as we know. Um, you can be very scientific. But then science becomes a kind of um, door which leads you to something which is not covered by science anymore, in our times at least. So then it becomes more a kind of poetic biology, um, which is why the book I finished at Mesa Refuge has the beautiful name Biopoetics. This, this, is, this is what I need to, to, to put together because, because we know that artists often feel this. And still, if you if you see if you look at modern poetry, it's it's full of metaphors of life. I mean, maybe they aren't even metaphors. So it's it's full of enlivening experiences, which which are contagious um, of this poetic space we are in, uh, without ever um, exhausting it, or with which without ever completely explaining it. And um, so I think this this is just the dimension we need to create space for in this world. And um, and then and then everything would like would subtly change, and then probably it wouldn't only subtly change; it would like uh, very very drastically change in the end, in ways I I, I I cannot imagine. But it starts with this tiny um, shift of an accent, um, of of seeing something which can be seen as a blind circular mechanism into something which which is which is the the, the yearning for to be oneself, or the yearning for actualization, or the yearning for presence. And um, so I think it's, you, you get there, you get there, you don't need to, to leave um, scientific discourse, but you, you need to, um, to, to allow, um, to let in um, the, 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 the experience that there are there might be several layers which seem to be contradictory, but which, which in the end are not if you're living them. Like the, the fact that we have this material body, which is obviously a yearning for an identity. I mean, these, these are completely different planes of reality, which we unite for the moment. But as we all know, um, 
in the end, we don't. For a certain time, for the bloom of our living, it works. And on bad days, it doesn't. So there's a tension. Um, there's a tension, and because there's a tension, there's desire. And because there's um, darkness, there's light. And I think we, we, we find this in, in living beings. And, well, I mean, I think this is, it's, it's, it's urgently needed to explore more into, into this direction. And I, 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 I feel it um, legitimate also in scientific terms, but it would change science, actually. It would, be, um, it would make science a much more poetic enterprise than it is at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's... That's, that's maybe the whole story in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, as you just said, you do endorse the principles and basic uh, knowledge of science. I mean, the, in your book, you discuss a little bit about the laws of ther thermodynamics. The Krebs cycle is a bad flashback in there that I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, the, the biggest revolution in biological thought over 150 years ago was Darwinism, mm -hmm. um, natural selection. Uh, after that, it got pushed to somebody you mentioned, Richard Dawkins, who in the 70s published a book called The Selfish Gene, which posits basically that our body is really just a vehicle for genes to go through. Yeah. Kind of the logical or illogical extension of Darwinism. And as you mentioned here that does leak out into uh, you know, economic thinking, social Darwinism, et cetera, et cetera. So it sounds like you're really arguing for a reinterpretation of some of this. And actually, um, Houston Smith, who wrote The Religions of Man, did a book years ago. He, he called it scientism. Mm -hmm. The dogma being, you know, like, like, say, racism or something else, is that there's only one way to think about things and everything else is wrong and inferior. Mm -hmm. So you're doing a critique of scientism. I'm I'm wondering what that then implies in practice, in a sense, for mm -hmm. you, for you personally, and in the broader world as well. You talk about, I mean, the first line in the book um, after the introduction is, "Have you ever looked into the eyes of a toad?" <laughs> and connecting, mm -hmm. you know, and that you were doing that at 14, I believe, and you had this, and you mentioned that children in general uh, are drawn to this. I mean, they love animals, pets. Uh, being out. It's a natural impulse that really doesn't have a Darwinian mm -hmm. uh, function per mm -hmm. se. You know, it could actually get you in trouble, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that large animal species, mammals, are very inefficient in, in, in fact. And in a Darwinian sense, it doesn't fit because we use, you know, 90-something percent of our energy just to keep our bodies going. And yes. we could be much more efficient if we were, you know, didn't, you know. So what would this mean in terms of, you know, what we started talking about, the crisis that we have in terms of what we're doing? We live in the Anthropocene now, you know, the humans having an impact on our natural world, which looks to be, if you talk to most scientists who really look at it, catastrophic in the long term. I mean, what would this thinking mean to you that would change mm -hmm. um, yeah. for you personally? I mean, personally, let's start with that. You have this connection to animals. You tell a fairly harrowing story towards the end of in biolab doing vivisection, working on a rabbit mm -hmm. that is alive and anesthetized and all of this. I mean, does this lead you to, for example, no animal testing, no animal research? Does it lead you to vegetarianism, um, you know, in your own life? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so... No, good, good, good question to ask. So I, I try to 
it's it's not as you as you were asking these two questions they're actually they're they're linked so it's 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 a personal approach which leads me somewhere and there's the the the, the idea of um, my version of an idea how um, how um, how our culture could be enlivened by 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 my way of seeing how living systems um, work and self-express but it's 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 coming together so i will start i will start with a with a personal with with a with a personal question and um, um i mean i i i already said this i'm i'm in a way i'm but this is also this is just how i'm made um, in a way i'm 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 kind of quickly aware um, of other beings maybe presence or inwardness or, or I, I just stop and give me the time to um, give me this extra second of acknowledging um, that the, 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 the own reality of other beings and this is a source of, of great delight actually and this is something which um, which cannot, cannot really taken, be taken away. I mean, it could be um, if I were locked into a concrete room, but maybe even then. Um, so this is this, but this is this is some, somehow like I'm, how I'm, I'm, I'm perceiving the world. But I know that you can you can build on this, and there are some traditions, um, some nature mentoring traditions doing this. So you can you can enlarge your own feeling of being alive by getting into into this non-judging and non-functional contact with other living living beings and let them unfold in front of your eyes. And then the, the next the next question is what what does this mean in, in, in ethical terms for my behavior? And um, I'm I'm not a I'm 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 not a vegetarian. I'm not a not a vegan. My daughter is, which is which is she's a great teacher to myself actually. Um, now she's she's out there because she doesn't doesn't want to hear her father over and over again um, in another language, and she's she's out there with my iPhone to do some some more important things actually to send some Snapchat messages. This to is her this is natural. Uh, but but this is totally natural. No, I mean I'm 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 not consuming any um, any as far as I can manage. Um, but I'm I'm going very far there. Any um, 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 food products which aren't ecological, for example. This is the, I'm very strict with this. I'm 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 um, I'm, I'm consuming very few meat, so it's it's very far, but it's 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 still there. And um, and um, I mean this. I, some, I sometimes have this discussion with my daughter, but I, I, I don't. Um, I don't want to. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that she has this, this. This just came out of herself, and it wasn't. It wasn't her father, her eco philosopher father, father pushing her. It is her pushing me. Like now, I sent you, sent you a video. Look, watch this, and um, but it, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not really. It doesn't come from a philosophical background. It really comes from a, from a feeling, and um, actually, I proposed to her. Because we, we will be traveling south, um, because she, she also wants to see LA, and I, I proposed to her to stop um, at an Airbnb, which is a farm, and she said, "Do they have animals?" And I was, "Oh, she's a vegan," 
and how can we stay on a farm with animals? <laughs> That's very interesting. So we, we di I didn't I didn't book it, but I mean I mean um, um, the, the 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 and then I'm coming to the the second part of the question. The basic idea is that um, that life means to be um, always desiring to to be yourself, to expand, to get into connection. But it also always means that the door to go there um, is to, to give up something. As already in our metabolism, we are, we are continuously losing our metabolism. There's always something going out. So an ecosystem is, to me, to my eyes, is, it's, a, it's a big um, gift system, actually. It's an, it's an exchange system. It's, it's tr always transformative. And transformative means that I'm... I'm giving myself away, and um, um, and this is also this and, and food intake and feeding and eating. It's 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 an example for this. So, so in a way, you you have no chance to avoid to consume other living beings, which is which is a weird idea, um, and um, it's 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 impossible actually. Even if, 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 if what what is the what is the word for the fruitarian. Um, eating fruits, um, there's a tiny um, new plant in every seed, actually. It's, it's called, even called embryo. So, so the, 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 the weird, the weird ec ecological truth is that um, an ecosystem consists of, of the, the kind of deeply existential exchange of bodies, um, and which means that we, we, when we are dying, we are giving ourselves to the to the to the remainder of the community. We actually we actually consumed in a feast um, by other beings, and um, and we can't avoid this. And um, maybe I'm 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 answering a little bit too long, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm th this brings me to the second part of the question actually. Um, when you ask me what can we do um, on a on a soci sociological or, or political level, what what could be changed? I would say we need to understand that um, we we have to live in an ecological way, and in a, an ecological way means to um, re-instantiate this mutual giving, and the, the the name for it would be a commons economy. A commons economy, a commons is a system in which every thing and every body, but every being participates and every, every entity receives. And um, this is to totally different from neoliberal approaches, but this is also totally different from communist ideas. So this is, it's a completely different idea. Um, but it has to do with this, with this understanding that we are all yearning to reach out. And we, to do this, we, all, we always must shed parts of ourselves. It's a way of, of living a relationship. It means, to, it means to transform yourself, but it also means to renounce to something. And, um, and this, this would be a concrete way of stopping this idea that we need growth on, in, every, in every respect. But it's, it's to do this, to... to, in, to, to, to um, to implement this in, in, in a grand scale is um, it's just something which needs to be thought. And um, 
So I, 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 I like this idea that, that um, culture needs to be an ecosystem, but it not, doesn't need to be an ecosystem in, a, in this reductionist way. It needs to be an ecosystem as mutual exchange of desire, as mutual, um, as, as, um, as creation of relationships, as negotiation, as working on, on, on the limits of, of um, individual growth processes. And um, this, I, actually, I, I, my first English book, which is, which is only like 100 pages, um, it's, it's all about this. It, it came out in um, 2013, and it's, you, you, could, you can even download it. It's called Enlivenment. That's the idea. We need, we need to enliven our um, socio-economical systems um, by, by becoming ecological, but not ecological in this only reductionist idea of, 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 being, um, of being causal chain reaction processes, um, but um, enlivening in the sense that, that we are um, experiencing this, this constant change which, which happens. And um, culture could be like this in, in my eyes. But we need, we, need more, we need more research on this. I need to write more books on this. You're listening to a TNS conversation with Andreas Weber and Steve Heilig. Well, no, no doubt. I mean, I was going to ask you, yeah. the, com the commons in particular. I mean, I, I didn't, we haven't met, so I didn't tell you, but my undergraduate advisor was Garrett Hardin. Okay, so well. and, and so he was a biologist who wrote a, a very uh, a landmark paper in 1968 called the tragedy of the mm -hmm. commons mm -hmm. and his message or his model the concept was that yes this is you know shared responsibility and all that but if uh, all of us acting in our own self-interest mm -hmm. makes it collapse mm -hmm. because people don't really want to share they overuse people you know the, yes. the innate kind of selfishness yes. that people have um, or if it's in a real poor area it's not even selfishness it's just survival yes. right and the system collapses <laughs> and that has there's been tremendous pushback on that through the years on various levels um, that it's you know uh, too negative or whatever it mm -hmm. might be but it does seem to me to be a model that it, it unfortunately applies to a lot of what we're seeing in this world you know whether you're talking about oil mm -hmm. or whatever the food resources are um, we exploit them until they collapse it sure I would say that the fisheries is the classic model now and you mentioned fisheries and yeah, yeah. those have been a multinational commons of people getting as much as they can as fast as they can and we are now seeing the collapse um, yeah. in various parts of the world. So I, I wonder how we, you know, and that was, I mean, his, one of his messages was how do you manage a commons in, in a sense? Mm -hmm. And maybe what you're saying is if you really saw, if you really saw all of these, the rest of the world of nature, the creatures and otherwise, as enlivened, really, um, if if this could really spread to people, that you'd have less of this exploitation. Yeah, and that's an idealistic yeah. hope. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yes, we need more of idealistic hope. Yes. And um, no, but it's 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 very interesting yeah, that you work with Garrett Hardin. Um, because as I'm as I'm like with with one leg stuck in this um, Commons philosophy movement, um, um, he he is this very ambiguous person. Um, and um, he is he, by lots of these commons activists, he is kind of hated. But I think he he's also misunderstood in a way. So I'm I'm um, I mean, 
this gets in, a little bit into a commons discussion, but but the, 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 in, 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 the, in commons thinking, what he was describing, that it's not a commons. It's, it would be called open access regimes. A commons means that it, it is already managed, or it is a commons is a system consisting of, um, let's say, a, a resource and of the um, and of the people using it and of the all the others included in it so a commons is it's it's not a, it's not only it's not only fish in the ocean it would be um, an indigenous society um, having complicated ritual rules of how um, to use this fish that would be a commons so um, in my eyes hardin is describing what happens when um, when this the, the 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 close connection of humans and um, and we're only talking about natural commons here. The close connections of humans and the, the, the living world they are, they are interchanging with breaks down. And then you have this, this bounty of resources and somebody who goes there and, and tries to grab it and somebody else who comes and pushes. And actually, historically, um, um, you, can, you can describe when this process started. And it's, it's, it also has a name. It's the enclosure of the commons. And it... It, it started, for example, in, in England, where it, maybe it's best documented when the, the, the land aristocracy just pushed out the, the commoners of, out of the forest and said, no, this will be a sheep grazing area because I want to, um, I want to sell these sheep and you go. And um, so it's, um, and then it, the exploitation started and before it didn't, because before there was, there was this extremely detailed um, and extremely fine-grained lawful interchange of, of, of humans and of non-humans. And, and I'd even say, and you can also, there even, you could also dig into this and prove this, in, in, in exchange of, of meanings of life and um, places where you lived. So there's no commons without a, a, a personal and emotional experience of the commons, which is then laid down in, in ritualistic practices and, and in narratives. So, so actually, if you look on the, on the commons, you have the whole scale of the interlocking of the material world and the imaginative world, so of outwardness and, and inwardness. And, um, and actually, I, if, you, if you look into deep human history, all these, all these um, subsistence societies, they are using the world as a commons. And um, so I, to my eyes, this, it's, it's, the, it's a basic human ecological model. But, but what is even more interesting is that you could see ecosystems as commons because there are, there are ecosystems are systems of sharing resources um, of negotiation between the different players, which which you could describe as um, as, as evolution or as co-evolution, and which are creating meaning or which are creating um, experience even. Um, and when I when I when I had this thought, wow, maybe you could say that nature is a commons, um, and then we could we could totally completely differently look at nature, but we could also use ecosystems as patterns for the creation of commons. So then maybe the whole process of um, an, a self-enlivening biosphere is a commons process. I was, this, that was really, I was really had this wow experience. I was thinking, man, this could be something you, 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 we didn't talk about so far. Um, um, so, so I think historically and, even, and biologically, there, 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 
Commons are always, they always have strict rules. I'd even say, I'd even say that every relationship is a commons. Every relationship is a commons um, in which you create a common environment by giving and by um, taking something, but also by giving. And, and if your partner is not a commoner, I mean, everybody probably has made this experience. Um, if your partner is um, using you as an open access regime. Um, um, to me, it, it so much makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I even discussed this or even presented this as a gift to my Italian girlfriend. Like, hey, we're a commons. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't an open access moment she had. And, and, and um, so, but I mean, it's... it's But, but just, so maybe com commoning is, is, uh, is also a loving process. So if, if an ecosystem is, is a commons, it's also a practice of loving. And if you're, I mean, because what, what, what does this mean? You have a, you're related to somebody and you, 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 you need to have this somebody grow to, to make the whole thing in which you are flourish. But if you need him or her to grow, that also means that you need to, to renounce to some, something because then you can't grow infinitely. But this is just what is needed in a relationship, as everybody knows. It's just like, okay, I can't do this and I won't do this because you will have your growth here. But the other needs to do this as well. And then, then unless he, he or she is a free rider, all these commons terminology. So, so, I mean, you know when, how, to, how it is to be together with a free rider. At some moment, you push him off the wagon or, or you don't or you don't for your whole life and you and um, to me it's a beautiful idea this uh, this idea of um, of um, of of making yourself more real by um, by giving to the whole the, the potential of being more real it's to me it's it's a, it's a it's a cool idea actually and that's that's my idea of of, of a sustainable culture and um, And I think that's how, how life is doing it. And this is, this is how life is, is also feeling it and how we are feeling the success of this. Because this is this, is this moment, this, this moment of bliss in a relationship is not when you succeeded in, in um, kind of um, rolling over your partner in, in getting to your, to your thing. And it's not when, when your partner is finally self-realizing and you're left at the, as a roadkill somewhere there. It's when you, when you have the feeling that you're, you're kind of synchronizing into something which is bigger. And this is really an experience. And I think it's a true experience, actually. But it's, and that's the difference from, from pop culture. It needs work. It's not the, the end of a Hollywood film. Maybe they don't make these films anymore. Of a 50s Hollywood film, then you have this kiss, and now you know everything will go on nicely forever. It needs huge amounts of work. It needs it needs it needs negotiation, and it needs suffering, and it needs discipline. And but it needs also feeling, not only discipline without feeling. I mean, this this is one of the solutions which which are kind of forwarded in our society: only discipline, only work without feeling. But it's not um, commoning isn't. And this is also a difference to, to, to neoliberal near thinking. It's not going to the, to the final goal of having everything solved because it's always negotiation. So it's always imperfect. It's always, it's never really whole. Or if it's whole, it's momentarily whole for this glorious moment. And then whatever happens, then the, 
the baby in the next room cries or what, what, whatever is, is, or it drips through the roof. Um, um, but I think this, this, is, this, is, this, this comes very close to our experience. And, and, um, and um, strangely, our society, which, which um, in, the, the mainstream force of our society, which, which um, has exercised aliveness from um, a description of the living world, pursues this idea of getting rid of, um, of, of death. That's, that's, this is a strange dialectic. We're doing all this because we finally want redemption. So we, we need to understand everything and then we can build a perfect world. So, so there's this huge ambivalence uh, towards the need of um, saying goodbye to some of your potential um, possibilities and to renounce in favor of the bigger whole, um, um, which, which, which kind of we, we try to avoid in a way. We're working, and when I say we, maybe not, not, not any one of you, but like in the bigger picture, we are, we're always trying, still trying to, to walk into the, how, 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 um, how John Maynard Keynes put it, into the, into, um, into the light of economic liberation. Yeah, to to get rid of all this, but it's not possible to get rid of imperfection in 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 reality because it's only made. It's only it can only become real because of the first crack, and um, and an idea of relation as commons or a relational systems or a, a life a living system as commons pays pays respect to this crack which is always there, and I think that's. I mean, this this. The, to have this kind of, to pursue this attitude would be um, deeply non-utopian. So it's idealistic in, in which I totally admit this. Um, I'm even in the, the, the Myers-Briggs psychotype. It's I'm the idealist. So how could I deny? But it's, it's not utopian in the sense that it promises um, this, this solution. It's not utopian in the sense that um, we need to accept that there will be pain and there will be death, which can't be avoided. And I think this, is, this would be so necessary in, our, in, an, in, in a new art of living um, to, to, to kind of re-implement this, but then to re-implement this not in this bad totalitarian way. You, you need to die for your, for your home country or whatever, or you, you need to self-sacrifice because you need to function, etc. But um, in, in accepting um, that this reality is deeply alive, and by being deeply alive, um, it is always mortal, it is always fragile, it is always vulnerable. And um, I think this is, this, this is so necessary, actually, in, in our society, to, to open that door again and to, 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 to stop this, this running away from, from fragility and from breakdown. There's, there's an American humanistic psychologist, Ernest Becker. I think it's even the book is even called The Denial of Death. I can, I can deeply recommend it um, because he, he follows this, this figure in Western civilization. Like, like, like how many systems we created to deny death. And, and he, he, is, he has a beautiful, um, he's beautifully writing about our ideas, our, our mainstream ideas of relationships, which are not commons because everyone is using the other to escape 
um, his own or her own fragility. So now I finally found the person which will who will save me, which is um, a recipe for divorce or whatever, or suffering. And um, it's very interesting. So I think, but I think we all, we've, we find all this if we deeply look into ecosystems. We find all this and I don't say that it's... Um, It's that it's beautiful um, that we find um, failure there, but it's we see the necessity of it, and it somehow can lead to accepting it and to making it a creative force. I'd say, but it's you don't uh, you don't mention it or him in here, but you're arguing something of a, a Buddhist yes. uh, philosophy. There. Yes, and and really, what you're I mean, it, to me, you're arguing for a, a revolution in education. Mm -hmm. as much as anything else. You talk, again, about how kids have natural impulses from very young, and you talk about your own enlivenment as, mm -hmm. as a young kid and so forth, But and nature deficit disorder, as it's now called. Mm -hmm. the, the trend is going the other way, where kids do not have much exposure to nature and how that impoverishes you. So, you know, from the start, it would sound like to incorporate a vision somewhat, you know, I, I keep thinking animism in a sense mm -hmm. is, you know, maybe you've been accused of that mm -hmm. or maybe it's all right, I don't know, but animism mm -hmm. of, of the world as alive mm -hmm. and what that might mean is to bring that in. And I liked, you know, when you talked about death, I worked with, with dying patients for, for many years mm. and still do sometimes. Not being religious, when, when they would ask, people will ask sometimes, what happens after? And I couldn't, you know, I would say, well, basically, you'll probably go back to where you were before and, and, and you'll be fine because you were fine then, right? Mm -hmm. And the way you put it was a living being that can no longer bring itself forth as the center of its own identity melts away into a mass of atoms rejoining the universe of all other atoms. This great flow yes. that Walt Whitman even put into his poets. And, you know, for some people that was reassuring and some people thought I was crazy and said, you know, go away. But... Mm -hmm. um, But for a lot of people found it, that was a, a nice way to conceptualize yeah. things, you know. Yeah. So at the beginning and the end, I mean, there's a lot in this book and there's a lot to talk about. But I do want to, we just have a little bit of time. I want to allow oh, yes. people to ask uh, questions about anything that's been, that's come up that you're interested in. So you and then you, Don, yeah, go well, first. It seems like from what you said that um, <clears throat> the breakdown of the commons um, is caused by greed. And, and in my view, from what I've seen, you know, um, many animals, maybe all animals and all plants are, are greedy in that they're trying to improve their own life and Maximize. make it as long and successful as possible. I mean, we had tent caterpillars in Connecticut, and, and one year they just came in and ate all the leaves off all the trees, and then they did it again the next year, and many of the trees died and and they never stepped back and said well like maybe we shouldn't lay so many eggs because we're going to kill our food source they just did what they do and so and but that all fixes itself somehow by the natural checks and balances in nature and and where it's gone wrong for us is that we seem to be so clever with our you know growing food and and making all these engines that keep us alive and protect us from death, um, we've become too successful and we're overrunning the planet. So, 
Am I interpreting all this right? Is that what you're? Well, that's that's the ba that's the baseline of what we're trying to do with it. And so then the question is, how do you change that? No, but I I, I I I think you have a very very interesting point actually. I mean, I, I try to reformulate it. Maybe you can say me if I got you wrong, or if I if I heard you in the in the in the wrong way, because um, other beings. Um, or living beings don't have individually don't have an inbuilt break. You're totally right. So they will expand when they can, and um, only that they are so um, dependent on the whole system that the system always kind of comes back, or, 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 or um, it, it's 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 never totally destroyed, and probably. It's not different with humans. Probably it's just the same. The only difference, I say, I mean, probably it's not different. That means we will go on doing this, what we're doing, and some, at some point the whole system will rearrange and we'll find our place, which will mean to, to start gather firewood again, maybe, or which will, might mean we're not there anymore. So I think, actually, we're not even an exception in this. So the, the, the biosphere... Um, will remain a common system after a disturbance of one species um, um, overgrowing everything. So this will self-regulate, which is not good news in a way, because it means we'll shrink. So probably this will even happen. I'm not. I'm not. I'm ideal. I'm an idealist because I'm. I'm a poet, but I'm. I'm actually not. I'm. I'm very skeptical. Um, because I see this, I see this the, 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 uh, a new bloom of this um, kind of romanticism 2.0, which, 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 which we are doing here. But I also see the, this, this totally unleashed way of eating everything, which is also legitimized. And I, 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 I'm, I'm very skeptical. If, I think we, we're really pretty getting into this situation. I mean, what I, what I wanted to say, there is a difference. Um, and, and probably there, we are the only species who can deeply be sorry about this. I, I, I wouldn't say that any other species sits there and, and thinks this is so, it's so ugly. Um, I mean, a, a, a falcon can breed in a, in a skyscraper. And I, I, I don't think that, 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 that it's, it's depressed about this. It's like, oh God, this is so, this is so, I think it's just, it just, it's fine. It's soaring and it's, has offspring and it's good. But we sit there and say something is wrong. Something is deeply wrong. And, um, and this source of being able to, to grieve is also it's the same that the source that we could have a different attitude. So in a way, in a way, the the our way of being um, of having some slightly more choice how to how to behave is linked to, to, our, to our way of not only feeling what, 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 what things mean to, mean to our lives, but somehow to mirror um, how the status of productivity is in the world. And, and from this comes, um, comes well, a, a potential to change things. And, um, but it's, only, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of weak potential to do this. But and awareness is the first step. Yes. Right. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't. Like, I, I, I wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't even say awareness. I would say, I would say the feeling of what happens, deeply feeling of what happens, and um, 
And in all these years, in, in all these hundreds and thousands or hundreds of thousands year, of years, um, um, humans have managed to only slowly um, um, grow over other beings. So we have been common societies for maybe like millions of years from, from, from Homo erectus on or even earlier. But then when the, ch when the, when the chance was there, early Homo sapiens... Um, or even in like in the Ice Age Homo sapiens has hunted all the big game and changed the world. And even if, if we were organized in common societies, it's, 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 it was there. So um, I think we, 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 we are probably, we are, they're not different. We're not different, like we're, we're not, we're, we're a natural being. So we're in a degree. Effects on ah yeah yeah that was the that was the key word yes yes so let's try another question yes um, thank you so much um, you're you're pushing in and exploring something that's really um, complex this relationship between attitude and science right mm -hmm. um, and I want to say that personally I experienced you speaking with most clarity when you were dropping into your feelings. When you dropped into your feelings, all of a sudden, I really experienced you being clear about that connection between um, beliefs, attitude, and science, right? So, the, so the, the most important thing I got out of this that really landed for me um, was your observation that scientists and science... Um, get something different, get a different kind of result if, what the, if the way they describe the world doesn't look at the world as alive, right? This reductionist concept. That the world is material and linear and you can analyze it and, and if you don't describe it as alive, why are you not surprised that the results you get don't result in aliveness, right? So, so despite thousands, well, hundreds, literally closely hundreds of years of incredible scientific development and advancement, we are still killing the planet, right? Because there is not this perspective of aliveness in the description of science, right? So I just want everybody to know that there's a parallel awareness in the field of law. Uh, and that is uh, that um, legal... Um, uh, legal institutions, structures around the world are based on the concept of material and protecting material, the legal rights of material, right? Um, well, there is a movement called the Rights of Nature Movement, and it is um, a movement of indigenous people, but also of legal scholars and judges and ecologists, and people like you and I, who recognize that legal systems that are based on protecting material, again, do not have this concept that we are actually in a world that's alive. And so the result you get in the legal system is uh, environmental legal, uh, lawyers winning little tiny battles and still losing the war, right? And so the rights of nature movement um, began with a congregation of indigenous people and lawyers and activists um, who created something called the Universal Rights of Mother Nature, the Universal Declaration of the Rights of Mother Nature. Um, and the country of Ecuador actually rewrote its constitution based on uh, 
developing a legal system founded on, first, well, nature has rights. It's actually a lie. It has rights to exist. It has rights to be healthy. And if we build our legal institutions on that, then the decisions we make, the judgments we use to make those decisions will be based on aliveness, right? Um, so I can explain more about it if you're interested, but it's, a, it's an exactly parallel concept to what you're talking about. And it's very fundamental. There's an organization in the Bay Area called the Earth Law Center, which is a major, major player in this whole rights of nature movement. Um, no, actually, actually, Garrett Hardin gave one of the texts he used was a, a classic essay called Should Trees Have Standing, written in the 70s, which was basically to grant you know legal rights to other species than our own. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. purpose, uh, all these comments about non-utopian, but the thing that, that for me leaves me puzzled and wonders how it fits in is I feel under anim the animal world has a lot of predation and eating each other in order to stay alive, mm -hmm. and even some plants do predation. Mm -hmm. It's called nature red in tooth and claw. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you watch the Galapagos or insect world, and there's more and conflict and competition, and I mm -hmm. I just don't, when I see that missing in what you're saying, because maybe it's in your book, I kind of have a dialectical view of the universe where there's opposites, mm -hmm. and um, I don't know if Varela does or whatever, but um, it leaves me uncomfortable to leave out that it's not just giving and sacrifice, it's people are out to eat, I mean, animals are out to eat each other, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's, it's not just Darwin, but... Yeah. So I don't know if that fits in. I was going to ask if epigenetics, in your view, was mechanical, but then I think this other thing is more mm -hmm. important for me emotionally because I can't trust what your the framework, mm -hmm. the overall framework, unless it acknowledges that when I, I watch it, nature shows, it's like oh yeah, my right. god. I think you kind of did address that, though, even and even in this discussion a little bit, we talked about you know vegetarianism, and yeah. you talked about that kind of inner being where you it's part of the great scheme of things, yeah. and the the main goal is to make things as humane as we can in that way. I mean, this is where these movements about making agriculture, redoing agriculture, particularly you know meat I'm and so forth. Violence and connecting and bonding, but just say love, then it, to me it kind of moves it into another realm where you're not, it's not dialectical enough. Right? That's all I'm just saying for me, mm -hmm. it confuses me. No, I think it's just, no, I mean, I mean, just uh, good, you heard this, so I'm, I actually. Well, I, I read I, the book too. So. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you read it, yeah. No, but I think I, 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 um, I mean, you're right. I'm, 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 I totally follow you. And um, I, um, I was even thinking I'm, I'm too much mentioning the importance of death in this talk and um, the, 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 the role of imperfection. When I said it's, it's, we, 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 we cannot, we need the crack to have the light. And um, so I'm totally with you. And when I say, when I talk about giving, I don't mean that, um, that um, being being eaten does this as a as a nice choice to others it becomes that for us and this this connects to your question so for for our purpose choosing of a way to live um, 
we can or we need to choose giving away something which is dear to us or dying one of the one of the many deaths but for beings in an ecosystem it's not a choice it's something which happens and something which is needed so we we need we need um we need a world which is able to be eaten by by one another um to to be um uh, a sustainable common system i mean the, the the amazing thing of the biosphere is that it's edible it's completely totally edible we're living in a completely edible world and this is why why we don't have these huge heaps of of toxic trash because everything which lives is edible and it must be eaten to be reborn and um that's not beautiful for the one being eaten and and when i so i i i i completely agree with you but i i what i wanted to do is um um to to accent um the the complement of this so if you if you run the danger of being eaten you have a you really have something at stake so it is about something because you don't want to be eaten and th- this is what i was mainly talking about your this the 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 realm of meaning opening up because of your project of identity being threatened all the time but in the end it's it's needed that you you will be consumed and um, i mean the, the it's it's an interesting idea that that we can't we won't be able to avoid this so we will be this feast of other beings um, i mean if we choose to be buried then it's clear that's the more or less big um, no, the um, invertebrates are are having a big feast yeah you just want to have a choice of how it's done it's, it's, it's like just, the famous it's just, woody yes. allen's famous statement is i'm not afraid of death i just don't want to be around when it happens yeah 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 so yeah yeah <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. want to be uh, yeah, that's know, consumed beautiful. in a different that's way beautiful. gone out into but i mean the i mean the, 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 the nice thing and this this is this is a, a gary snyder idea or thought actually the nice thing is you you can you can you can you can understand your own death as the end of your life but you can understand your own death as a, a huge gift to other beings and um, i mean the idea of 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 so many beings joyfully consuming myself like i uh, consume food at a at a at a beautiful dinner changes something to me it it just really gives another accent yes just do one more quickly and then we, or two if you just have a quick question and because we're we're up against our time here yes it would be just a quick answer yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yes my 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 one quick answer will go to you yeah. <laughs> yes or no question uh, <laughs> well francisco varela uh his philosophy had implications for his ex- for his experiments uh and for his science program um and i want my question has to do with your philosophy and what implications it may have for you, both uh uh the direction in which scientific experiments or questions might go but also the conduct of science the organizations sociology and so on that's just a simple answer yeah right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and how will it change science yeah Research. Yeah, I mean I mean it's it's actually connected to Francisco Varela's work because he he I think he was the one who maybe not invented but started heavily to use the word of the, the idea of first person approach in in science. Um when he started to um to uh 
deeply um, ask um, the, the subjects, um, the, the, the human research subjects he was working with in brain research who got this um, EEG things on the head about their, their perceptions. I, I was one of them, actually, because I was doing my PhD with him, so I needed to, to be a research subject, a, a guinea pig. Um, 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 so so I'm, act, I'm actually enlarging on this, and I say that, that our, um, our feeling of being alive is, um, is our first-hand means of researching. And um, only that we, we give this away all the time, because we kind of think that it spoils science and it, it, it pollutes science. But I would go into this direction, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if Varela would agree um, he wouldn't have um, at the time um, he died, I'm, I'm sure. Maybe now he would, um, be, because he would be like 15 years older. But so I'm, I'm radicalizing this, and I'm, I'm coming to this to this idea of needing a, a poetic ecology, so of, of, of rein, reintroducing um, poetic experience and expression, because this is the way we can talk about feelings and we can create feelings and we can. Um, resonate with embodied feelings we see um, in other beings, or we see other beings as embodied feelings. So it's 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 it goes in this direction, but becomes much more radical. Mine is I'll just um, fess up to begin with. It's actually not really a question, but but leveraging on what you were saying, um, I think that science is exiting an era where it was just extremely logical, and you can see it in the underpinnings of unconscious bias or modern conservative death. But in the world of Red and Tooth and Claw, about 10 years ago, um, because the technology advanced to where we could see smaller um, items, it turns out that the world is actually hugely populated with viruses in every part of it, the ocean, the Antarctic, etc. And if you look through that lens, there's actually a number of indicators through most ecosystems, all I would argue, that this idea that one could become an innocent victim of death with no logic to it is not actually how it works. <clears throat> it's not like the ocean's infected. If you look at the activation of the apoptosis cycle, the individual themselves, the, the single cell microorganism or whatever it is the virus is infecting, is what activates the virus propagation. And it does so when it's under stress conditions. And if you look at, there was another place I was looking at this in terms of looking at soil microbes. A lot of our really infectious diseases in the human body have a cycle that's in dry, arid soil or in, in the soil. And there's not much similar between the human body interior and the soil environment. What it speaks to is that those that die do so in concert with the infecting or attacking agent, even if you look at wildebeest or whatever in these bread and tooth, you know, once you get to that level, it's the weak, it's the ones that don't have a strong mother to defend them. So it's actually part of the turnover, not like an innocent, the strongest individual dies, it's actually the, the weakest ones that kind of give it up for the greater good. And in fact, in oceans, I'll just finish with, when you have this, or even in yeast colonies, it's the ones that are under oxygen stress and so they don't have the right resources. When they choose the death, they do, just as you say, um, release all of their own biochemical substrate for the rest of the colony. So mm. I don't think it's just an innocent, all the, everyone's at risk of dying. 
I think it's a weaving in. Which sounds like poetic ecology. Let, let me let me talking. let me give. Yes. It's it's not you know, it's not a question. So it's 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 it's, it's very interesting actually. So I, I, but I, what 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 I, so I, it gives me the opportunity to say something I wanted to say but I forgot to say um, that uh, actually almost we, as if it were a question, right? Yes. <laughs> um, we we. Um, Looking from my perspective, and also from the perspective of what you said right now, um, at least as I as I understand it, is that we can, we must see that we are the world in a way. We are we are not separate. We are the whole in a way, individualized, crystallized. But this way of crystallizing the whole means that we come in conflict with the whole, both at the same time, and. Um, and this conflict with the whole is not a good feeling, but it, it makes individu individuality possible. Um, and um, the price for this is th death comes in because in the end we are the whole and then individuality is over. But it's cool to be the whole, isn't it? <laughs> Perfect. Intoxicating. So there's the book. There, I guess there are copies out here for sale, I think, I believe. And... All of you, thank you for coming, but especially thank you, Andreas, for being here. You've been listening to a TNS Conversation with Andreas Weber and Steve Heilig. Thank you for listening to TNS, The New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>